listening to sermons from South Point Fellowship, where we are equipping the family of God for the mission of God to see everyone around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus. For more information, please visit southpointfellowship.org. Well, good morning, South Point. It is great to be with you this morning as the people of God gathered this morning in praise and worship of our Father, the triune God and all of his and all of his work. This morning, uh, we're going to be continuing in the book of First John, the Apostle John's uh, first epistle. We'll be in chapter five, uh, beginning in verse six and continuing through verse 12. And uh, I have to tell you this morning I, that as I was working through this text, I am kind of a linear thinker and and I struggle, kind of have to wrestle with John as he writes, and it's not linear. And I think, okay, I've got to get this in some structure that will make sense in my head and that I can, that I can follow. And then just when I think I'm beginning to get it, uh, it all kind of just disappears and, and, and I go back around. And, and so this morning, um, we're looking at a text that uh, is easy for me to get lost in. It's a text that um, has some difficult words and some things that aren't the clearest uh, words that we find in First John. Some have said that uh, the phrase that we'll be looking at today is, is one of uh, the most difficult in, in this epistle uh, to understand, but it's a text that summarizes a lot of what John has been teaching, and it's a text that I hope as we, as we work through it that, that I don't get lost in the details, that I can help and that we can all see together these, these, the overarching glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ that John is explaining. There's a, a tremendous simplicity to this text and a tremendous encouragement to us in who Christ Jesus is and the confidence we can have in Christ Jesus um, this morning. So let's begin, if you would. Um, let's read together, beginning in 1 John chapter 5, starting in Verse 6, if you would, um, and you have your Bible there, and if you would stand with, a, with me as we read God's Word together. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. This morning, there's just two main points that I want us to look at. And then, as well, we're going to have um, the one overarching idea for us to keep in mind. And it's quite simple. The, the overarching thought that I want us to remember from these six verses, what I think the apostle is primarily communicating to us in this text is simply that eternal life is given by God by faith in the one that God has testified to. Eternal life is given by God 
by faith in the one that God has testified to. This is a continuation, we might see, of the verses uh, before. That's the sort of insights you're going to get this morning. Uh, This is the same thought from John 5, 1 through 5. He's continuing on where John has just been. We've seen uh, and we've kind of highlighted through the book this threefold test, right? We have the uh, social test and we have the uh, moral test and the doctrinal test. And we've talked about that. John has talked about that not just once, not just twice, but three times. And the last time uh, as we look at the end of chapter 4 and, uh, and the beginning of chapter 5, and he's speaking of the moral test and obedience to God's commands, which aren't burdensome to us. And then at the end, uh, in verse 5, he says, Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And, and so John is beginning to make this closing argument. He's gone over and over and over again, and he's beginning a closing argument, and there's this question raised, um, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? We might think then, um, who, how, do we, how do we come to faith? He's been talking about, excuse me, I should have backed up, verse 4. For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes? So then the question is, for you and I, how do we come to belief? How do we come to faith in Christ? How is it that we can have this confidence, this assurance uh, in, in Christ Jesus. So uh, the Apostle John takes this, uh, these verses in chapter five and he kind of goes in a little bit of a, digs in here on this who is Jesus Christ and how do we have faith in, uh, in Christ Jesus. So um, that's what we're gonna be looking at this morning. Is Christ trustworthy? Can we believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And, and we know this is of eternal importance. We see that in verse 12. Whoever has morning sitting here at McDonough, I don't know what we all have. I'm sure many things going on in life and some of them great and weighty things struggling as we, as we communicate as a body. There are those among us struggling with sickness, with, um, with death and dying, with um, maybe finances and things related to just supporting our families, work, work that has been impacted by the, the year that we've had in 2020. And, and, and so we have all of these pressures and all of these things going on in our lives. But this morning, there is nothing more important to us, nothing more critical than this question of eternal life. Do you have the Son? Because the Apostle's clear, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever doesn't have the Son does not have life. This is the most important thing for us to look at this morning. Everything is at stake. Our soul is at stake. Do you ever think about that? Your, our eternal soul is, is at stake in what we believe about these things. And so, do we believe them with no evidence? Do we believe them with no testimony? If I said to you, if I handed you a rope and said, here, jump off this building. The rope's going to hold you. You'll, you'll just swing. It'll be amazing. You'll love it. Would you just, like, first guy, just, boom, off you go? I would not, because my physical body, right? I, I, I like my body. I, lo- I love life. Uh, and the idea of doing that, you know, n- no thank you. But if, if maybe I was the fourth or fifth person, if I watched that first person go and the second person go and the third person go, and I had some evidence, some testimony that would say, this works, then maybe, maybe I would trust myself to that. So 
this faith that we have in Christ Jesus, it is not irrational. It's not against rationality, and it's not without testimony. And here this morning, the apostle John gives us this testimony concerning uh, the Son of God. So the first point is this. The first major point, we'll have two this morning. The first is the Christian has eternal life by faith in the one God has testified to. The Christian has eternal life by faith in the one God has testified to. Eternal life, that overcoming of death, is ours by our faith in Christ Jesus. And our faith in Christ Jesus is based on the testimony of the Father about Christ, as we'll see in the passage this morning. So, first thing um, we will look at in uh, verse 6. This is he who came... And going back, as I said, verse 5, uh, he's speaking of we, the ones who overcome are the ones that believe Jesus is the Son of God. All right, well, who's the Son of God? Well, the Son of God is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. What, is, what does this mean? What is this phrase, this um, kind of unusual. It's, this is one of the harder phrases we find in 1 John um, because John says here it's not by water only, but by water and the blood. So there's a few different things here, a few different ideas, a few different thoughts. And I, th I think uh, the text is we're going to come to one of them, but let me give you a little historical uh, context on what has been, been thought. The first is that we, we might all think of the witness of John at the crucifixion. And when Jesus died and as the soldiers were checking to see if the three, the two who were crucified with Christ were dead and they, they broke their legs because you use your legs to, to breathe when, when on the cross and so to hurry death along and really as a mercy, the soldiers would break the legs and when they came to Christ, they saw that he was already dead. And so one of the soldiers thrust a spear into his side, and John records that blood and water issued forth. So we think of that, and, and that's certainly one, one idea, and it, there may be a connection there, but there are a few things that uh, you know, we see that, that maybe don't fit um, that, and, and specifically, John is, is clear here that this is he who came by water and came by the blood, and so... Um, those two, these, these are testimonies to specific um, events, and it doesn't seem to quite cover in that context. Secondly, some, of the, some have said, well, maybe this is, speaks to um, uh, the sacraments, right? Baptism by water um, and blood, the Lord's Supper. Um, but nowhere does he mention the body. It's not really what John is dealing with, and, um, and nowhere else in Scripture is uh, the Lord's Supper referred to just by blood. So, that doesn't seem, while there's much we could learn there, and I don't think it's entirely wrong to, to have some, some of that in view, it's probably not the best explanation. So this morning, what I would suggest to you is that um, this he who came by water, this testimony of water, is firstly uh, Christ's baptism. And we see that in uh, Matthew 3. We'll begin in verse 16. But this first witness would be the baptism of Christ and the beginning of his earthly ministry. And then secondly, that by blood would mean the end of Christ's ministry at the crucifixion on the cross. So we have Christ's 
coming by water in his earthly ministry, being baptized, John the Baptist baptizing Christ, and then the end of his earthly ministry, uh, the crucifixion and the testimony of Christ's blood on the cross. So, um, taking this meaning, let's take a look at what John means when he says that we believe in he who came by water and by blood. So, it's as though we can think of this as uh, a witness being called on to the witness stand, because um, if we look down, and this is where that circular reasoning I was talking about, like this is where I go round and round. So if we look down with me, uh, whoever, um, let's see, and this is the, t- let's, if we receive the testimony of men, this is verse nine, um, nope, verse seven, for there are three that testify, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his son. So God is testifying here to us truths about Jesus. Uh, God the Father testifying to us about Jesus. And this is the first testimony that he gives. Matthew 3, verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So we see here this divine authority testifying to Jesus as the Son of God at his earthly baptism. The testimony of the water is a testimony to Jesus' divinity by the Father. He was the Son of God. He doesn't say, this is, you are now my Son, and you are now the Son of God. He says you are. It was a statement of fact, not a statement of like transition or change. And one of the things that John was speaking against at this time was this version of the Gnostic heresy that said that Jesus was born of Mary and Joseph, and that he became Christ at his baptism, and that he then Christ left Jesus' body at the crucifixion, and that Jesus died as just a man. And so only the time in between was, was it actually, was Jesus actually the son of God, but there was some separation there. And so John is saying here, no, he was already at his baptism, he was already the son of God in whom the father could say that he was well pleased. And so that's the first testimony, the testimony of the water. And then I'd also point out, if you read on in Matthew, immediately after the baptism, what happens? Well, Christ goes out into the wilderness, right? And he's tempted. And what are the first two temptations that Satan puts before Jesus? The first two questions. If you are the Son of God, command these stones. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. See, this is immediately the question, is the divinity of Christ. Is he the Son of God? So the Father testifies at baptism, this is my Son. And immediately Satan tempts Jesus and would attack the very point that that the Apostle John is trying to reassure us that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that we can rely on that testimony and, and hold firm to it. And what does Jesus do in that temptation? He responds with the Word of God, right? He responds with the authority of his Father. He doesn't have to prove he was the Son of God. God has been testifying to Jesus through all of the Scriptures, testified to Jesus as the Son of God at his baptism, test, and, and Christ responds to Satan's temptations with, those, with the sure word uh, from God's word, from the Old Testament. So this testimony was the beginning of Christ's earthly ministry and was the beginning of his 
uh, fulfillment of Isaiah 53, his anointing as a suffering servant king. And that's the first testimony that we see the Father put forward. This is the Son of God. You see at the baptism that Christ is my Son. The second witness, the second uh, witness for us to look at this morning, is this testimony of the blood. The testimony of the blood. What is this? The testimony of the blood is the death of Christ as the Son of God for us. Wearing our nature, wearing all of frail humanity offered upon the cross, he couldn't die. His death would not have been sufficient to pay for our sins. If Jesus was God, then he could not have represented us before, before the Father. But as both God and man, Christ goes to the cross and testifies at the cross, and the Son of God died for us. Matthew 27, let's look quickly at, um, at an account of that cross. How does the Father testify to Jesus being the Son of God through the cross? In Matthew 27, we read, at noon there was darkness over all the land. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks were split, the tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. The centurion and those who were with him were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. The centurion and those who were with him, they knew exactly what all these signs meant about the one who had just been crucified. All these signs were a testimony of God that Jesus was who he said he was. He was the Son of God. And so we see this, uh, this first testimony, the water in his baptism, the second testimony of his, of his blood at the cross. Um, you and I might not be faced with Gnosticism in exactly the form that the Apostle John was talking about in the early church, but we all know, um, we know this Gnosticism of Jesus' death meaning nothing, right? That you can say Jesus was a good teacher, you can say that Jesus did many things, but to say that he was the Son of God, to believe that, to believe that there were those who were raised from the dead after Christ died, to believe that the temple, was, that the curtain was torn from top to bottom, to believe in these miracles, well, that's just, that's just superstitious old myths, right? That's not, but, but that's, we know, we have the testimony of God that Christ is who he said he was, and that he was, um, that he was the Son of God, and that his death was um, efficacious for us, for the payment of our, of our sin. Jesus Christ was the sacrifice of the spotless lamb for you and I. Uh, the testimony of the blood is the perfect fulfillment of Isaiah 53, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. That's the testimony that we see at the cross of Christ, and the, this testimony of the blood. The testimony of the blood is that Jesus has paid the price for our sins. You and I can stand before the Father, righteous and holy, because of the work of Christ Jesus. So that's the first witness, the testimony of water. The second witness, the testimony of the blood. And then we come now to that third witness. The third witness is unique from the other two, the testimony of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth, and he's been at work since the beginning. So we see that 
in uh, verse, at the end of verse six, and the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. How does the Spirit testify to the truth of Christ Jesus? Well, first we see the Spirit testifies to Jesus being the Son of God at his baptism, right? We see uh, the Spirit descending as a dove, uh, taking the form of a dove and descending upon Jesus at his baptism, and we see the Spirit in all of Christ's earthly ministry. The Spirit, Christ at his incarnation, emptied himself and became a man. And then as a man, he was filled with the Spirit, and John says he was filled without measure. And so having the Spirit without measure, Jesus in all of his works was empowered by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit testified at Christ's baptism. The Holy Spirit empowered Christ's life of obedience. Christ was obedient because of the Spirit at work within him. The way that Christ obeyed is no different from the way you and I obey. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And his perfect obedience is credited uh, to us also by the work of the Spirit. So the Spirit testified at his baptism. The Spirit empowered his life of obedience. And the Spirit raised Christ from the dead. We see that in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. What confidence do we have that Jesus accomplished what he said he would accomplish? What confidence do we have that Christ's death was accepted by the Father, that, that the judge of all the earth would, would say, this debt is paid, there is no more wrath for you or for I? Well, the, the confidence we have is that Jesus was victorious over death. He was raised from the dead. And in being raised from the dead, we know that it was the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And Romans 8 says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and I. Uh, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So the Spirit of truth raised him from the dead. And then the Spirit of truth was sent to us by Jesus to indwell you and I. And we see that um, in John 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So, so Jesus, having been raised from the dead, sends the Spirit who bears witness about him and indwells us and bears witness in us. And that's exactly what uh, the apostle is here saying in verse 10 when he says, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. So you and I, as believers, we have the internal, we have the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit agreeing with the scriptures and the testimony of the Spirit in this historical life and death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. So the, uh, the Spirit testifies inwardly uh, to us. And, and we can know, we can know a lot about the testimony of the blood and the water, but the real question is, do you have the testimony of the Spirit inside you, agreeing in these things? Do you have that testimony active in you? So, the fathers testified to the son, uh, to, of the Son by these three things, the water and the blood and the Spirit. And we see in these, I just mentioned that we see in these the great mercy of God, We see that God has not left us without a witness, but he's given us not one and not two, 
but three. He's given us as much testimony as could be required. He's given us three faithful witnesses to the work of his son so that we might believe, so that we might uh, put our trust and our faith and all of our hope in the work of Christ Jesus. So that's the first point. There's a lot there. I'm sorry. Um, thank you for hanging with me. That's the testimony of God in the water and in the blood and in the spirit, testifying to the truth. Now, that's the next point. The second main thing that I want us to see this morning is what is it uh, that God testifies? And we see that um, in verses 11 and 12. And this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life, and this life is in his son. So the testimony of God is that God gave us eternal life, and that life is in his son. Uh, that's the testimony of these three witnesses, um, that all those who look to Jesus Christ, the son of God, will be saved, will have eternal life. Um, a few things about that. The first is, is this. This eternal life is a gift. It was given to us. Uh, the text is really clear about that. Uh, eternal life is the gift of God. It's the gift of God by faith, and faith we know is a gift, right? Faith is not a work that we do, but a gift of God given to us. And so by that faith, we receive eternal life. And that ought, to, that ought to reassure us. Remember, John's writing to believers. He's writing to you and I here who have put our faith in Christ, and he's saying uh, this work that God has done is his work. He's given you eternal life. Um, it's not, you can't lose it. It's not performance-based. God doesn't say, here's eternal life as a reward for how well you've done. He doesn't say, here's eternal life if you get it right. Eternal life is a gift of God that the price has been paid by Christ Jesus, paid in full. You can't add anything to it by your performance. You can't, you can't make it better and you can't lose it. If you are a child of God, if your faith is in Christ Jesus, he is the object of your faith and it will be secure by the testimony, by the testimony of God. So, um, so that's the, the testimony that God gave us eternal life. The first, this eternal life is a gift of God. And secondly, we might remember that eternal life is not just a thing tacked on to the end of our life. Eternal life is now. Knowledge of Christ, knowing God now. Knowing Christ Jesus now. That's not to say that, that this is the, um, the sum of our eternal existence. We long for the day when sin is no more. And what we know now a little bit in the knowledge of Christ we'll know in fullness um, when, when we have eternal life, endless life, and the fullness of life uh, in Christ Jesus. So eternal life is now in part, but for eternity in fullness. It's the gift of God, and, um, and it is the fullness of life in Christ Jesus. It will be a sweet day when we uh, can, can have a relationship, see Christ face to face, uh, and, and have a relationship with him that isn't marred by sin and by, by the decay and the, the corruptions of our own hearts that we still feel. I know I feel that. I'm sure you do as well, and, and we want to be rid of that, and we long for the day when we will be, and that day will come because of this gift of God. Um, the second thing about this testimony, it's the gift of God, and it's life in his son. Um, very simply, the end of verse 11, this life 
is in his son. Eternal life is found only in Jesus, the son of God. That's what these witnesses are telling us. Um, they are, it is in Christ alone that we can find eternal life. Um, we might look to, as we look at these three witnesses, it reminds me too, Leviticus chapter eight, um, as we, there was the consecration of Aaron and his sons to the priesthood. And in that we see um, three things that we see that as Aaron was consecrated to the priesthood, he was washed before the whole congregation. And then a blood sacrifice was made at the altar. And then he was anointed with oil, symbolic of the spirit. And so we see, um, I want us to see in this, the water, the blood, and the spirit as well, Christ's service for us as a priest. This is his, his priestly office for us. Eternal life is given to us through the intercession and the Christ's work as a priest on our behalf. And then we see in these three witnesses God's provision for all that we need now and for all eternity um, in, this, in this life. The, the water, we think of the, this is the earthly ministry of Christ, this is the obedience of Christ. You and I need the obedience, the active obedience of Jesus Christ. It's not just that we've sinned and that God in Christ has dealt with our sins on the cross. We certainly owe this enormous debt, this sin debt to God because of our breaking his law. But then we need a righteous, so you and I aren't just forgiven, but we have the record of somebody who lived perfectly. We have the record of someone who was perfectly obedient to their parents. We have the record of somebody who, who worked as unto the Lord in everything that they did. We have the record of somebody who loved their spouse perfectly, loved others perfectly, loved their siblings. Think about you, you young people who are still growing up and you have your siblings there with you and how often you might treat them badly or sin against them, and yet Christ Jesus never sinned against any of his siblings. He lived a perfect life, and he gives to those who put their faith in him his record of perfect love for his siblings, his record of perfect obedience to every part of God's law. And then in Christ's death at the cross, we see him taking on the penalty of our sin, and, and all, of the, all of the sins, all of the things that we've done where we haven't lived that the life that we are called to live under God's law, the, the times where we've been angry with our siblings, the times when we haven't, when we've stolen from our employers, the times when, when we have not loved one another. He takes all of that on himself and he's condemned on the cross for us. And then in life, we're given the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit who raised God. And so in these three witnesses, we see that we have everything that we need for life and for godliness, for righteousness, to stand before God um, as his children. A quick word of warning, um, and we see this at, in verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. To reject the testimony of the water and the blood and the spirit is to call God a liar, and it's to be condemned. All of mankind, everyone here in this room, everyone that you, everyone in McDonough, everyone in, our, 
in Georgia, the globe, everyone that you interact with on Facebook, everybody that you, um, that you deal with in your work, um, all of mankind either has eternal life or does not, either has the sun and life in the sun or does not have life. There's no, there's no in between. And so uh, the question for us this morning, do you have Christ? Do you possess him by faith? Do you believe the witness and the testimony that the Father has borne about the Son, that he is the Son of God, and that we can see that testimony in the water and in the blood, and that testimony is within us by the Spirit? This is the dividing line now, and it's the dividing line for all eternity. This is the point of life in Christ and the fullness of life or, or eternity in, um, in hell, eternity of torment. And we say, what, well, what, what is that? Well, what we know is that eternity with Christ is the fullness of life and relationship with God. And eternal torment is, all, is the lack of all of God's mercy. There is no mercy, there's no grace, there's none of God's goodness in that place. And so, for all eternity. This is the dividing line, and it's the question that we need to consider uh, this morning. Do you possess Jesus Christ? Is he, are you, have you by faith laid hold of him and trusted your life to him? Are you looking to overcome the world? The victory that has overcome the world is faith, a faith in the one who came by the water and the blood. This testimony is sure. These three all testify, and these three all agree. Would God give us grace that we would know these things to be true and that we would live our lives by them, we would place our faith and our hope in Christ Jesus and in him alone. Let's pray. Father, we, we come to you this morning we rejoice that you have made us your children, that you have um, given us a righteousness that is not our own, that's ours um, securely because it's not based on our performance. Father, thank you for your mercy towards us. Thank you for your testimony. Thank you that you have not left us without a witness, but you have shown us that Christ Jesus is the Son of God and that we can rely on him believe on him, put all of our hope and our trust in him, that he is trustworthy and sure that uh, we will not find ourselves um, regretting, uh, but that, that Christ is um, our sure and steady anchor, our Savior, um, our only hope. Father, we pray that you would make these things real to us. We pray for your spirit to be at work in our hearts. Um, as we consider this passage, as we think about it uh, this week. Father, would you teach us and instruct us? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.